Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, I have Phil Webster. He is a writer, an actor, and a spiritual teacher. Phil is joining us today to tell us about his new book, Letting Glow, a guide to intuition, spirituality, and living consciously. And he's here to share with us the journey behind writing this book. So please welcome Phil Webster. Thank you so much for being with me. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. First of all, I love the title of your book, Letting Glow. Thank you. Um, I, I found that a lot of the things in your bio for myself, I can relate to like looking back at my younger self and seeing that, wow, I always had this in me, yet it was never developed or I was never guided to use like intuition or like see synchronicity and signs. Like it was just like passed off as coincidence or, or nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know more about how you came into this and, sure, and yeah. just how you got here. Yeah, sure. I'm based in London. I lived abroad for around 20 years or something like that, and then came back to the UK around 2017. And I'd always kind of bounced around a lot, traveled around the world somewhat. I kind of never really found my thing, you know, I never sort of grew up thinking, okay, I want to be a fireman or a doctor or something like that. And I was sort of falling into different jobs and, and do different things. And then when I came back to the UK, I felt like a very big sense of sort of connecting with my roots, you know, and that kind of reminded me of like what I was into as a kid. And I was always obsessed with movies and stuff. And I thought, well, what would he want to do, right? If he could just do anything and start over. So I pursued acting. So I kind of went that route just for the sake of, you know, trying it out and then started getting a few speaking parts and and this and that and paid the bills with it and, and had some amazing experiences, worked with some great actors. But it never, again, it didn't really sort of scratch that itch. Like I saw myself on TV and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, now what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then around the start of 2021, I lost my mum. So she'd brought me up and it pretty much just been me and her. And she'd lived alone for, for the last 20 years of her life. And of course, there was lockdown and all that stuff. So, you know, none of that was very fair on uh, elderly people, yeah. especially. And then, yeah, something happened around her passing, which really triggered the catalyst for, for writing this book. Yeah. So that's kind of my brief last few years. You know, that's one thing that humans all have in common. You know, we're all going to experience loss because, you know, there's the end of the road for each one of us for, well, when it comes to our meat suit. Yeah. But, you know, when I lost my dad, I always say it was, he gave me birth twice, you know, once in my life and once in his death because mm -hmm. he was my rock. It was so just life-changing for me. Yeah. I'm sorry to, that for your loss. Yeah, no, but I, I really like that. What you said there, my mum passing was, uh, has definitely sent me on a completely different trajectory to, to what I thought I was on. And just, it, and it really does change everything. You know, one thing I always say is, you know, like, uh, and of course, 
we all have different relationships with our parents. So I can't really say this across the board, but essentially, you know, your parents are really like the one true witnesses to your lives, you know? And, yeah. and then when they've gone, it's like stepping into an alternate reality. You know, it was this one and then the suddenly this one. And, you know, I thought I was prepared for it. My mom was getting older. She was 76 years old. She had various age-related health problems and I kind of, you know, was expecting it. Yeah. Um, but still, it's it's just, you really don't know till you know, right? Yeah. And I think now it's getting towards the three-year mark. I'm starting to finally feel that I can sort of, you know, move past it a bit and, and start going forward. But I, I really didn't expect how much it really beats you down. You know, I had no idea. You, you just reevaluate everything, essentially. But yeah, you know, I wouldn't have wrote the book if my mum was still here. It was really the catalyst around my mum passing to what really sent me down this path. So something happened around the night before she passed away. So I kind of wasn't really, I, I dipped my toe into sort of uh, learning about esoteric experiences and, and spiritual practices and things like that over the years here and there but at this time in life it wasn't really something I was thinking so much about so as I was saying we'd just gone through COVID and and I hadn't seen my mum for a couple of months I was just getting ready to start work on this movie and we'd just been through Christmas and through government lockdowns and everything I hadn't seen her through I didn't see her at Christmas and I hadn't seen her since November so it'd been a while and we would FaceTime every day um, and on this particular night, I think we'd FaceTime already two or three times that day. And she picked the phone up. So she would always keep her phone charging on the floor, right? And as she sort of leant over to pick the phone up, um, she was leaning in from one side of the screen. And then there was a man leaning in from the other side of the screen. And I, I was kind of like taken aback, right? It was like 9.30 at night. And she lived in a very rural place, a place called the Isle of Wight, where I grew up. So, um, and again, we were in a lockdown. So I kind of knew all the neighbors and no one should have been there. You know, I kind of knew her daily routines and stuff like that. So I was kind of shocked. I was like, okay, well, who's that? And I saw him long enough that I could describe him. He was maybe in his 60s, had thinning gray hair, glasses. It's kind of gaunt looking. And, and as she picked the phone up, he went out of shot. And, and she went and sat down and I said, well, who is that? And she said, who is what? And I was like, okay. I was like, well, the guy, I just, I just saw someone. She was like, no, no, no one here, you know? And I was like, okay, this just threw me off completely, you know? And I kind of grilled her a little bit and she was like, no, there's not been anyone here all day, you know? And I was like, well, okay, I, I, I just, I know what I saw, but she wasn't given any signs that there was anyone else there. And, and one thing that she would always do, which would drive me nuts when I was a kid, especially was if we'd ever have a phone call and there'd be someone else there, it was impossible to have a conversation with her. You know, she would start speaking more politely. She wouldn't be herself. And I'd be like, okay, come on. And, uh, and she wasn't doing any of that. And, and then we spoke for like another 45 minutes and, and I just thought, okay, well, I didn't believe there was anyone with her, you know, uh, physically with her. And I thought, well, I must have yeah. been mistaken. So I just dismissed it and then went to bed that night. And then the next morning I uh, got the phone call that she had a heart attack and passed. Like a neighbor was trying to get into the house. So again, that event was really the the catalyst that sent me sort of down this rabbit hole of, of looking right. into, you know, more sort of esoteric experiences. And it also made me look back at other things that had happened over my own life little instances that are dismissed um, or, or some bigger ones also that didn't really sort of fit in with everyday reality. And, and I've been like, okay, well, that was weird, but I don't know what to do with that. So I just kind of brushed it aside, you know, but this was a big one. Yeah. And, you know, if kind of my headspace had been then where it is now, I would have been like, okay, well, that's somebody letting me know, like uh, something's up here, you know, and I would have gone straight down there. 
Yeah. So again, that changed everything as well as going through the grieving process of losing my mom and, and, and all that comes with that. And this experience kept at the back of my mind. Well, what was that? You know, who was that guy? And eventually, you know, I spoke to a couple of people. Some people were saying, well, you were just grieving. And I was like, well, I wasn't grieving. It was, yeah. it was before the fact, right? And then somebody suggested that I, I start asking for signs. And I did. And, and I started getting them. What was your spiritual life growing up as a kid? I mean, like, was your mom, did your mom have a spiritual practice at all? You know, were you guys counseling? No, not, <laughs> not really. See, we never, we never really, something we never really spoke about regretfully. Yeah. You know, there's so many regrets, so mm-hmm. many things I wish I'd talked to her about. And, and that's really something that I do say to everyone that's got a good relationship with them or even not a good relationship with their parents. Really yeah. like ask them everything, ask them everything that you can think of because you can't at some point, you know, but no, not really. We, we didn't go to church. We didn't really talk about these things. She, she did tell me about a couple of experiences she had when she gave birth to me. She talked about seeing her own mom, like when she, my mom nearly lost her life during that. But again, we didn't really sort of dive into it. You know, I believe that she believed in, in something more, but again, never really explored it with her. So yeah, I didn't particularly have a very religious upbringing and not, not a very spiritual one. Okay. You know, that's interesting because, you know, for the longest time I've been grieving my religion, I've been shedding, almost brainwashed, right, in many ways. So it's interesting to see a kind of like a different perspective from someone who really just had a a clean slate of what they want their beliefs to be. That's um, that's an interesting observation as well. Yeah, thank you for that. I'll I'll take that one on board. Um, Yeah, because that's the thing. I kind of would always... As a kid, I sort of was interested in, you know, ghosts and things like that. And, and I think I remember things sort of happening around the house, maybe paranormal things. And then I kind of, as I got older, I thought, did that stuff really happen? Or was it just like, you know, a kid's imagination and a couple of other events that I just kind of, as I got older, they didn't really sit in my memory the same way that everything else does. And, and I just kind of just put it to bed, you know. Yeah, I didn't really know what to do with any of that. And then not really having a very, well, not not a strong religious upbringing at all yeah I never really had anything to sort of I don't know fall back on or or sort of reassure me or this or that so yeah that's an interesting way of looking at it yeah clean slate yeah (laughs) yeah which is I oftentimes carry guilt fact that I was gonna choose my children's religion before they're born I did to Mm. me now that's insane Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we live and learn, right? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry to throw a cliche yeah. out, but yeah. yeah, my older kids kind of got screwed <laughs> with, <laughs> with the mom that I, who I am, you know, to who I turned out to be. But you know, everything happens for a reason, and they I definitely mean, still are, you know, growing in, in in their own journey. So, when you mentioned earlier that as a kid, though, you liked films and stuff like that, what kind of films were you into, like Star Wars or like? Freddy Krueger or pretty much all of those. Yeah. So yeah, it was the eighties <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I had a pretty tumultuous upbringing. Like my mom and dad split up. My dad was um, quite abusive towards my mom. Well, he was very abusive towards my mom. And then when I was eight, we went and lived with a, with an old flame of hers. Um, she was kind of that era, her age, she kind of at the time thought that she needed, you know, or I needed a, a father figure or something. And she thought that, you know, it's the right thing to do me and this the stepfather of mine we didn't really see eye to eye so yeah I would sort of find escapism through movies or or books or or anything like that to just kind of step away from this 
it wasn't the worst upbringing, but it, you know, it was difficult from time to time. So yeah, I would just sort of escape in any kind of fantasy thing. Like, yeah, all, all that stuff. Lucky to have grown up in the eighties because we had all those big, all those big movies that we had. So um, yeah, yeah. That kind of was my way out. Yeah. One of my favorite movies was Labyrinth. Right. Labyrinth. I've never seen it saying that I'm a kid of the eighties. Yeah. I've never, I've never <laughs> seen it. Well, it'd still be good if you watched it because David, yeah, David Bowie is awesome. And it's just, <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's a lot. It's an allegorical story in so many ways. You know, well, a lot of movies are. Mm. Yeah. You know, teaching you something and, you know, the, in that realm of possibilities are limitless. I feel that we've not been taught that that is actually a possibility for us, too. Yeah, definitely. Like recently, I've been very much caught up in this book promotion thing and I've kind of gone away from sort of my more the spiritual direction that I was heading meditating a lot um I joined a development circle around mediumship and then yeah sort of more practical things of taking my attention away you know it is kind of good to remind yourself that actually yeah we are the you know we're painting this picture right and not just sort of getting caught up in all the distractions and uh yeah which is so easy to do yeah so you talked about signs you asked for signs you know, through my journey, I would say that as I became present, if you want to say awakened, which I've awakened a gazillion times, so it's hard to say there's just one spiritual awakening, but I have been led by signs and synchronicities. And, yeah. you know, at first thinking they were so shocking and, you know, I'm like, ah, so excited about them. And now they're just like, if they don't happen throughout the day, I get a little worried. (laughs) So what kind of signs and synchronicities were you, you know, was showing up for you and how, cause you know, we all receive differently, you know, I'm very clairvoyant. So I feel like I really see them. So after losing my mom, I was working on this movie and I just kind of was burying my head in books. And I remembered a couple of books that had helped me along the way. And actually, um, I, I remember you recently had Neil Donald Walsh on, on your podcast, which are uh, amazing uh, hero. Of, you know, I remember reading Conversations with God when I was 25. And he'd wrote one, I think it was called At Home with God, which I'd, which I'd read whenever it came out a long time ago, 15, 20 years ago. And, and thinking, okay, I need to read that again. Because that was just talking about the process of dying and that we don't die you know and, and like I said this wasn't something I'd really thought of for years and, and I remember that book I was like okay I need to read that again because that's just going to help and then talking to somebody on this film set and saying uh, telling them the story that I just told you and and this lady she suggested yeah she was like oh you should just definitely start asking for signs and it, it kind of crossed my mind and I thought well what if I ask for one and I don't don't get one then what then what does that all mean then that thing Maybe that wasn't a real thing. I, I don't know. You know, I was kind of afraid to. During this time, yeah, we'd just moved into a new apartment in London. And well, I should say my partner had pretty much moved us in because I was on this movie every day. Mm-hmm. And then I had a day off and I was putting um, Blu-rays away, right? They're, they're kind of obsolete now. We've got streaming services, but I had like a stack of them in a box. And I'd got all these, and I must, must mention this, forgive me. Um, I was working in one of these big Marvel superhero movies, right? It was called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it was like a sequel to Doctor Strange. That that was the movie that I was on at the time. And, that, and there's a point to that. So I got these Marvel movies in my Blu-ray collection and I was putting them all away. And as I did, I thought, oh yeah, okay, so let's do this. I was like, okay, mom, if you're around, give me a sign, right? And then I went back to organizing everything. And as I put these Blu-rays away, I noticed that one was missing and it was Doctor Strange, like the, the first movie to the sequel that I was working on. Yeah. 
And I thought, okay, well, and I remember just being more annoyed than anything. I was like, okay, they're all here. Where's that one? Everything should be in the same box, right? And then I went about tidying the rest of the flat and I hadn't really, I, I kind of forgot about this asking for a sign thing. Yeah. And, and maybe an hour later at the other side of the place, there was a stack of books and this Blu-ray Doctor Strange was sitting on top of the stack of books. And then the author's name was poking out from the, the book right underneath the Blu-ray. And all I could see was Maureen, which was my mom's name. And then the title of the book underneath that part of the title was poking out and it said living. So I've got Dr. Strange, Maureen and living. <laughs> and I thought, uh, okay, I don't know. Uh, immediately the cynic in me was like, uh, I don't know. But then on the other yeah. hand, I was like, well, I did just ask for a sign, you know? And then a little bit later on, I came across a book by a, a medium called Claire Broad. Uh, and interestingly, and, and again, put it down to coincidence at the time, so I, I didn't look the lady up or anything like that. I just liked the title of the book. It was called What the Dead Are Dying to Teach Us. And I didn't know where she was from. She could have been from the States. She could have been from Australia or anywhere. And the first page in the book took place across the street from where I was living. Like I could look out the window and she was talking about a cemetery in a place called Richmond in London. And it was, it's like literally across the street. And I was like, well, no what are the chances of that, you know? But again, just sort of dismissed it and, and read the book. And anyway, that kind of started getting me thinking about mediumship. A little bit later, I wandered down the road and I walked past a spiritualist church in my area. And I, I didn't know what a spiritualist church was at the time. I don't know if you, you, you guys have a few of them there. They're very much leaning towards spiritualism and, and mediumship, essentially. And there was a notice board outside that said that every Sunday there was a demonstration of mediumship. And I, I knew what that was at this point. And I was like, all right, well... Let's do it. Let's go check it out, you know? So I went along and I didn't know how this thing worked, right? And weirdly, I'd set all of my social media stuff to private and everything. I don't, I don't know how I thought that somebody knew I was going to show up there. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was straight off the bat. I was like, need to be careful of these people. I don't know. <laughs> and I went in and, you know, no money exchanged hands, anything like that. And there was a small congregation there, maybe 15 people. And there was a lady there, the medium that night was a lady called Janet Neville. And she started working her way around the room and people started confirming everything she was saying. She started talking to a lady and she was saying, okay, I'm seeing a house in Scotland. She said this name of a town in Scotland, which she claimed she'd never heard of before. And this lady was confirming everything. She was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's my husband's family's house that you're describing. And I've seen pictures of it and this and that. And I was like, okay. And she worked her way around and she was getting like 90% of everything right. And I was kind of opening up more to this idea. I mean, I, I was there hoping to hear from my mom, obviously, right? But still, I was kind of really being really <laughs> freaked, right? yeah. okay, I'm not falling for anything. And then eventually she got to me and she immediately started talking about a young man or somebody that had passed in his 20s. And I was thinking, well, I, I had no idea what she was talking about, right? Uh -huh. and she kept on about him. And then she said something interesting. She said, oh, you know, she said, you're, you're a medium. I said, well, no, you know, not. You know, she said, well, yeah, she's like, you know, keep an eye on that, right? She, and she started talking about me being a voice for spirit, is how she put it. And sort of kept going on about it. Uh, and, and this guy, whoever she supposedly had, was saying, yeah, 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 you know, you're going to be doing this someday. And I just didn't know who she was talking about. Eventually, the penny dropped. She talked about us going to college together. And I was like, it suddenly hit me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I know exactly who she's talking about. Somebody that had tragically died. Uh, when I think he was 20, I was a little bit younger um, and he'd kind of fallen in with the wrong crowd. Drugs were involved, things like that. And I was like, oh, now I know who she's talking about. And then she said, oh, okay, I've got a lady that's just recently passed, like an elderly lady and described my mom. 
And then the game changer for me was suddenly her accent changed and she started speaking with my mum's accent, right? And so this lady had like a very Cockney, London, Southern English accent. Uh And then she suddenly switched to this very Northern accent, which was was my mum's accent. And sort of very briefly described her passing and that she said, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was wonderful. She said, and that she's with me and, and yeah, and that just, you know, I choked up my heart started racing and that, and again, that really changed everything. Right. I was kind of on the fence with this stuff. I mean, I believed enough to go along, but the accent changing, that was like, okay, that was my mom's voice that I heard. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and, and it really did change everything. And, and then it just sent me down this deep rabbit hole of, of looking into specifically mediumship and learning about mediumship. It's truly amazing. I mean, like, similar after my dad died, I had an opportunity. My friend had asked me if I wanted to go see Deb Shepard, who I've had on my podcast. And it was this huge event. Here my dad came through, and I knew that he would. It's kind of like I knew before I went. I was like, I, mm-hmm. I know. And the stuff that she said, it's not like she said, oh, your mother passed and all these things happened. She was right on, even said, like, did you lose a little dog? Because I'm seeing a little dog around him, too. My dog died two weeks after my dad. I mean, Mm -hmm. these specific things, unless she researched me or listened to my podcast, I mean, I don't know how, you know, she would have known those things. And so, you know, and it kind of goes back for me where, you know, I... I grew up, it wasn't necessarily that I was a skeptic. I just had a strong belief system and you didn't mess with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so for me, it was, you know, I stopped believing what I was being told and I started to live by my experiences. And, you know, that's what you're explaining. I mean, no one can take that experience away from you. This is your truth. Well, that's it, you know, and that's really what I wrote in the book. Um, I'm not trying to sort of convince anyone I can only give my own subjective experience and and what's worked for me and 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 essentially started documenting my journey from those stories through learning about mediumship myself and just sort of documenting what's worked for me there's lots of meditations in the book I found that um, finding meditation was just again I keep using I've got to stop using the word the term game changer but yeah again I feel that that's really the key to unlocking mediumship if somebody was interested to go down that path but it's also just been opening things up to just really connecting with you know not getting swept up in your thoughts not getting uh you know getting attached to emotions that come with thoughts and being able to step back in meditation and just kind of observe those thoughts passing by and realizing that we're kind of you know this separate thing back here yes the witness um, mm-hmm. right exactly like consciousness or a backseat driver or whatever, however you want to look at it and and i remember that sort of really connecting to me to again going back to childhood i just remember having this sense of this i remember talking to a kid when i was like seven or eight and saying oh do you ever get this sense of like i am me you know and he was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah i know what you mean and i was thinking he doesn't know what I mean, right? right? But I couldn't articulate it. And, it, and I, I realized now that I was describing, you know, consciousness, being able to step back from your thoughts and realizing that you're the separate thing that doesn't have to get swept up in all of the all of the drama, which we all do. And yeah, meditation has really been such a learning experience for me to, to be able to, to separate that. You know, when you relax the body and you quiet the mind, like what is left is truly your most realist essence of yourself, your soul, yours. That's where you sense your soul, your higher Absolutely. consciousness, yeah. however you look at it, the witness. And it's almost like 
this space where it gets to explore and play and be free, you know, from mm. this body, from this monkey mind. Mm, mm. So it's, it's limitless. I love it. Yeah, me too. And even though I've read a whole book about it and there's a meditation pretty much every chapter, I, I'm still guilty of, of neglecting yeah. it. You know, you get yeah. caught up in this and that. We have to go to work. We've got to pay the bills and all those kind of things. But yeah, I, I feel that it's so beneficial to just take that time, even if it's like five, 10 minutes every other day. I feel that things start to sort of flow a lot better, right? And when you can tap into your intuition. And again, another thing I, I often say is, you know, we, we all have these moments of, walking into a room and being able to cut the air with a knife where someone's had an argument or, or, you know, we can't quite put our finger on something and we have a gut feeling and we have all these, all these terms that we use. But typically when you start using words like clairsentience or clairaudience or, or sixth sense, then people kind of just dismiss you like you're nuts. Sure. Right. But I think it's just like <laughs> semantics. We're talking about the same thing, you know, yes. and again, going back to meditation, I feel that, you know, when you can sort of tap into your intuition, or, or your consciousness or your soul, or, you know, whatever words we want to use, then that's really the key that, you know, when you start going with that. It and is. of course, it takes some time, right? Uh, you know, it's not, I think there's also a, a fine line between sort of intuition and impulse. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I always talk about sort of, I feel that when you get practiced in, in meditating and recognizing the intuition and going with what comes first, rather than before the doubts and, and questions come in, then that typically tends to be the right thing. But mm -hmm. there is also a balance of recognizing that and not just sort of going on impulse as well. Yeah, those things that are coming in in those moments are really important for you to become witness to, to mm -hmm. hear, to listen. It's part of the journey. Acknowledge those thoughts that are coming in. I know for me, that was one of the biggest things that happened. I saw mm -hmm. that I was talking shit to myself. Right. And I was like, wait, who's, who's, you know, who's saying that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, and you yeah. didn't come here. You talking shit to yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it, and it continues. You know, it doesn't. I'm, I'm sort of talking about these things, and and especially the books. I feel like I can write a lot better than I can talk. But you know, <laughs> like writing like these things, like I'm Yoda or something. And but still, <laughs> through the day, I'm still struggling with the things that we're all struggling with. And yeah, like you say, what can you do? The thoughts are going to come, and I feel that that's another thing that people think uh, with meditation that you you really have to have this you know silent. Mm -hmm time the thoughts are going to keep coming just acknowledge them and then come back again you know come back to the breath come yeah. back to the moment moment of now yeah we spend much of our time worrying about the future or worrying about the past which doesn't yeah. even exist <laughs> yeah exactly so these things that would happen over the years i had a very profound one maybe mid-30s something like that and, and and it's kind of funny that i also managed to dismiss this one because this was somewhat life-altering but at the time I was living in Helsinki and I was running bars and nightclubs I was living kind of a hedonistic lifestyle a little bit sort of very much self-absorbed I would say and I wasn't really sort of thinking of the bigger picture at the time I was just doing what I thought was you know what I called at the time fun yeah. um, and, and I was already too old to be living like that to be honest with you but anyway <laughs> but I'd woken up one particular morning and I don't know if I was hungover or not or whatever you know most of the time I was in those days and I just had this kind of thought and it wasn't a new thought something shifted with it and I was just thinking about time being non-linear you know we only really have this moment of now right and just as I had it everything suddenly fell away like almost just in a terrifying way all of a sudden my sense of perception of time just disintegrated like all of a sudden like the future and and thoughts of the past just disintegrated and it was like now right and people talk about you know connecting with the moment of now been that like times, on mushrooms before 
Right. Okay. It felt like a terrifying psychedelic experience. I've I've never really dabbled with psychedelics or anything here and there, like once or twice when I was 20 or something. But it, it, this was just out of the blue. And all of a sudden it was now, like now, now, now. And I couldn't switch it off. And I was like, okay, what? Right. And it was like almost as though I having like a depersonalized experience, like I was over here observing myself or observing my thoughts. And it was terrifying. I have to say it was terrifying, like, like physically felt fear go through me. And, and I just got my act together. I put my, you know, headphones on, I went out for a walk. I thought I'll walk this off and it just wouldn't stop. And and I tried to go to work that night and I could barely function. Right. It was just like now, now, now it was relentless. And, and I just couldn't like, you know, drift off to think, Oh, what did I do earlier? Or what am I going to do tonight? It just, it just seemed absurd. And the thing is, it just, it just kept going on and it kept going on and it went on for weeks. And I eventually went to a doctor and tried to explain this. And they were like, Oh, well, this sounds like psychosis. And I was like, okay, that, that doesn't help. Right. And um, they put me on a, you know, a bunch of like um, anti-anxiety pills, some sleeping pills, stuff like that. None of it worked. You know, the sleeping pills would knock me out, but I would wake up and it would just start all over again. It just didn't touch it. And I was truly scared. I started thinking, okay, this isn't stopping. You know, this was weeks later. Went to see another doctor, same diagnosis, psychosis. He said, albeit mild, because I was still sort of somewhat functioning, going to work, stuff like that. But I feel like the best way I could describe it, like I was hanging on to like a, a slippery bar, right? of reality and and barely sort of keeping my grip on things and and um and it was terrifying and 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 months into it of of just trying to explain this to people and just kind of getting this very sympathetic look you know that people like okay and i I knew i sounded nuts i just couldn't explain (laughs) yeah i i finally found a, a psychiatrist and what interested me in him was that he was also a hypnotist so i was like okay i see this dude hypnotize it away right I don't want this anymore I want to get back to the herd I want to go to work I want to worry about sort of that right and and he listened to me and he was like he said no 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 he's like you're fine he said like you're not you're not psychotic he says you're you're having an awakening right and and he started talking about things called shamanic sickness and he used the word mystic and I I remember feeling really awkward I was like okay Bob just just (laughs) like cool therapist (laughs) yeah yeah I I feel like you know like the one therapist that that out of a hundred or whatever you know Mm -hmm. that would have gone the medical route and and this guy was like no 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 man he was like an old hippie or something and and he gave me a couple of meditations very basic meditations and this was really my introduction to meditation and they brought me back you know and it took some time but just through that no drugs no talk of psychosis he was like no this is an awakening you're in spiritual crisis you're you're really seeing reality for what it is and I would do these meditations every day and very, very gradually I would have like one good day. A couple of weeks later, it'd be two good days and so on until I was kind of back online or offline, depending on, on how you look at things. But um, yeah, it, you know, and, and it took the better part of a year to sort of come back. Um, and as soon as I did, you know, I, I was a lot more, you know, my ego had been smashed to pieces, you know, I kind of started concentrating on what what I thought was more important, moved back to the UK at that point. And, and that's kind of where I really sort of thought about, okay, well, actually, what do I really want to do, you know, um, and where the acting thing came in. Um, but yeah, it, it changed everything. And and again, just sort of from this perspective now, these experiences just, I mean, that was a pretty profound one. 
but every few years it would seem that something would come along and I thought, okay, well maybe it's time I start taking notice of these things. And, and again, that's where the book came from. <laughs> that's incredible. I, I feel like, I mean, I'd like to know your opinion on really truly what that was, but I mean, do you feel like in some way, cause you said you kind of like, were seeing yourself, you know, like there was this witness, like your higher self. Hmm. Do you think that, cause I've had stuff like that, not like that, but similar the only way that I'd be able to describe it, it's hard to put words to it. That's why I'm like, I, I can't even find words to even, you know, well, yeah, that's it. but yeah. That possibly it's like my higher self or maybe even my future self, like trying to nudge me or to lead me into where I need to be. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm not smart enough to figure it out. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had like insights and, and again, just going back to the books, um, letting glow was really more, my you know the documenting what pretty much what i'm telling you and then I, I wrote a second book straight off that which kind of went into bigger things i, I started learning from a couple of um indigenous shamans and, and just sort of diving into this as much as i could and i felt like i'd learned so much that there was another book there and i and I also just gonna go out on a limb and i believe that some of it was channeled right um i i would look back on it and be like okay that's not me that's that's way smarter than me and, and yeah i feel like i yeah, I feel like I've had some insights into these things there, but it's just such a, like you said, I don't, I actually, I could read from the book, but I, I, I off the top of my head, I can't really articulate it, you know, talking yeah. about time and multiple dimensions and, and all these possibilities that, you know, are we living all these different lives at, yeah. at the same time somewhere else? It's yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole other thing. Like it's another yeah. hour of conversation. Yeah, or, <laughs> right. Or I thought about to myself, am I remembering something, mm. you know, am I awake? Like, did something shift um, or did I create somehow enough space within me, you know, enough light that now I'm remembering myself on a soul level. I mean, mm. I did do a lot of ancestral healing. I feel like, you know, I moved past that kind of like, physical healing that needed to be done in my DNA. And now I've got more space for light. And so now what's happening is, cause I mean, I have a lot of synchronicity. I mean, it's a yeah. huge part of my journey. I'd say, you know, if you had to say what's your gift or whatever, you know, it's, it's synchronicity. It's me somehow working with my environment to lead. I mean, some of it's been downright scary and horrific. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard, I mean, I had a dead dove, like literally die on my porch right in front of my eyes. And okay. then like two weeks later, when born on my porch, you oh, know, wow. I mean, it, you know, just weird stuff. But the synchronicity was I'd been writing in my book and in my mini series all about a dove. So, I mean, it just, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's yeah. just, there's, yeah. you know, and like your stories, I mean, some of these things are just like, there's no way they're coincidence. I mean, there's no way there's something definitely sending signs from the other side, whether mm -hmm. it's my higher self, my future self source, you know, that I don't know, but I, and I don't know if I'll ever know, but I'm such a seeker. I'm always trying to figure it out, of course. Yeah. And having these conversations just makes me wonder other people's perspective. I, I don't know if, if I'm on the um, sort of same track, but just, I, what just struck me then is that you talking about that made me sort of think, you know, you're really, you're, you're doing this, you're living this, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we've, something that came through um, recently was talking, and, and again, I just read back on this later and 
don't remember writing it at all right and it was talking about <laughs> you know having a responsibility at this point and I feel like I'm sort of I need yeah. to get back to it I, I, I've somewhat been shoving it aside and and you know doing podcast interviews radio interviews stuff like that yeah right you know and, and it's kind of taken me away a little bit from what we're yeah. talking about and, and and you know you've got such a great platform and you're you're living it right mm-hmm. and I think we do uh, you know when when we realize these things when we open up to these things and, and now you know we've both got a voice for this then um you know there is an element of responsibility that comes with it and, and I've got to say you know you're you're doing a great job <laughs> oh well thank you so much I, you know another weird thing that just happened god I want to say it was yesterday I swear we're so much far more powerful than we know so my son who's autistic who I've yeah. told you about already he's having a really hard time so he gets really obsessed with things and when they don't go his way it's not that he's a brat he doesn't require much I mean he likes frosted flakes you know he likes um subway you know there's certain things but if subway were to close down or mm. frosted flakes were no more it would be an issue yeah, yeah. Um, he likes wwe you know mm. there was this one time i switched uh carriers like um and we were getting it an hour later that was an yeah. issue yeah, for him. yeah i mean i i had to switch back because it was it was an issue for him yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise this kid is is the easiest one i have out of all of them easily right. but one thing that is marvel he um he even wanted to do a podcast on marvel so I think I can tell you that it's been a hundred and uh, maybe 22 days. He knows like he tells me every day, this is a big part of my life right now that there is a strike going on mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he is extremely, extremely concerned every mm-hmm. day. He screams, he follows it and it, people don't, I mean, this is like affecting all of our lives right now because of yeah. him. Cause he's such a hardcore fan. Mm-hmm. And so I literally said yesterday morning, I actually said to my older kid, I said, I wonder if I know somebody who I can express this to how much this is affecting him. And mm-hmm. then I sat there and wrecked my brain of the people that maybe I, I would know to be able to just share with them how they don't realize how much it affects those who love what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is really affecting their fans mm-hmm. and even their families who don't have a clue, you know, yeah. what these yeah. movies are. But yeah, that's like that's his life to go yeah. to movies and to follow this stuff. So well, that, that's it. This is gonna it's gonna be a thing, you know. There's not gonna be any content like into like in the next year or two because because no one's right, no one's filming anything right now. So there'll be there will be like this other stretch. Like when we when we were in COVID lockdowns and all the rest of it, yeah. where they'll be you know rerunning the Empire Strikes Back and stuff like that because there's no big Hollywood movies because of the strike. But but I kind of get the strike as well. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they yeah realize how how much it it, it affects. He doesn't require much. He really doesn't. It's really got him trapped. Yeah, inside of his mind, and that's the one thing this kid understands energy like nobody else because yeah. he has no ego to tell him, no, that doesn't exist. He believes in it. Yeah. Like he was yeah. in high school. And I said, imagine that you have a superhero force field around you mm-hmm. and you can walk down those halls. He did mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and it worked, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I do that sometimes myself. For real, like, yeah, so many people Yeah. here, like in London, like sometimes I'm thinking, okay, I, you know, I need some boundaries here, like, as you know, central Yeah. London, it's crazy. Especially as you start to awaken into those spidey senses. Yeah, like I moved into this place very recently or within the last year and it's right across the road from a train station. Yeah. And I've got a shortcut which takes me into the town. If I go through the train station, right? And, and I would leave the flat in a good mood and then get through the train station. I'd be like, God damn it. Like, you know, just done with people for the day already, right? And I was thinking, what's, what's my problem?